This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. Bases clean. This is Chicago's game day. ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Good morning, everyone. Fred Hubner with you. A glorious Sunday morning. This whole week has been great. Hopefully, it'll be nice. You know, a little bit of rain expected maybe tomorrow, but uh, it's been a really gorgeous week. And uh, it's better to talk about the weather than what happened in Cincinnati yesterday, unless you had Artides Aquino. In your fantasy league. And I don't know why you would have, but now you might. And uh, that was pretty amazing yesterday for Cincinnati. Not for the Cubs, necessarily. 312-332-3776. You want to jump on in, you can always reach me on Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner. And the White Sox, it was Eloy Jimenez bobblehead night from the, his first home run. And what did he do? He belted a home run last night. And the White Sox, hang on. And when I say hang on... I mean it. They were up 3-0 going to the ninth. Guys get on base. Oakland gets uh, two runs home on an error by the third baseman, Ryan Goins. Base is loaded. Chris Davis at the plate. And Colomay strikes him out to end the game. White Sox get a 3-2 win. In front of what I heard was a nice crowd. Uh, Let me see here. I actually have a box score here. And let me see. It says here 27,000. Not bad. Saturday night, Sox and A's. So we'll talk some baseball. We always do here on Sunday morning. Chicago Fire fans will get to the fire and their big win around 11.45 before we get out of here. And a very, very nice win for the Chicago Fire. They've got a midweek game in Portland this week. But Cub fans, we are going to talk Cubs. And if you have any explanation about what's going on, you can let me know. 312-332-3776. And don't go blaming Joe. And that makes no sense. It's the players. It's not getting players. Uh, Think about it. They've had three games in Cincinnati. And people get mad at me when I say the Cubs are a home run or nothing offense. But it's clearly what it is. When they had their big game the other day, they get home runs. Castellanos goes deep twice. And, you know, they get a, a big routed win when they had the uh, home jerseys in their locker room on Thursday night, and all's going to be well, and then they drop two in a row. And for the 11th straight road series, they will not win a road a road series here because it's a four-gamer. They need to win today in order to get a tie, a 2-2 tie, before they go to Philadelphia and then Pittsburgh as this road trip continues. And, of course, as the Cubs lose two games in a row, the Brewers have won five straight, and the Cardinals, after they'd lost five straight, they've won two in a row. So you look at the standings today. The Cubs have a game-and-a-half lead over Milwaukee. St. Louis is two back. It appears this is the way it's going to be all season long, all the way down the stretch. Can you handle it if you're a, a Cubs fan? 312-332-3776. Yeah, the home runs, uh, Aquino, he, he, he just kept belting home runs. He had one. In the third, he had one in the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. And then he hit one in the fifth. Number three. Oh, my. 
I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit that part of the ballpark. 9-0. And he is definitely flexing his muscles tonight. What an incredible performance by Aristides Aquino. We're only in the fourth inning. Aristides Aquino. And Ed's Len Casper with a call on WGN-TV. The Reds go on to a 10-1 win. Albert Almora won't be in that leadoff spot for long. He went 0 for 5 yesterday with a couple of strikeouts. It'll be Jason Hayward back in there today. I didn't quite understand, and I'm, we got Jesse coming out at 11 o'clock, and I'm sure that Joe said it, but it was probably a, quote, scheduled day off for Jason Hayward, even though I'm pretty sure the Cubs have Monday off. Um, so, but, you know, Jason Hayward, oh, the veteran, he, he needed a day off. And um, so you put Albert Almora there. Almora had no hits. Castellanos had no hits. Bryant had no hits. Hap had uh, no hits. He came in for Bryant. Rizzo uh, came in off the bench, or he actually played a little while. They started pulling guys. Joe just started pulling people because what's the point in leaving them out there? This game was out of, out of uh, reach early. And um, today the lineup's out already. We'll run it down for you here. John Lester, they need him to be the stopper, and he ain't coming off a rough start. It's Jason Hayward in center, Castellanos in right, Bryant at third, Rizzo at first, Baez at short. Schwarber, who belted a home run yesterday in the ninth inning for the lone Cubs run, he is in left field. Happ is at second base. Caratini is catching. John Lester is your pitcher. They were trying to figure out exactly, I guess Joe was, who was going to catch John Lester today. And it is going to be Victor Caratini. Um, we'll see when uh, Jonathan Lucroy gets back out there as um, we'll see how things go for the Northsiders. Lucroy last night 0 for 3 with a walk. And that, the game got out of reach so quick here. You got a run in the first, two in the second, four in the third. Kyle Hendricks went two and two thirds, gave up seven runs, 12 hits, and he struck out two. He didn't walk anyone. I guess that's a good thing. He falls to eight and nine. And I, I, do, not, I do not expect a game like this from a Kyle Hendricks. And um, it just got out of hand so quickly. And uh, you look at it. I don't know how to explain this team. I know that Adam Abdallah mentioned it earlier on the show. Remember, Abdallah and Black on Sundays from 8 to 10. It is like Groundhog's Day. Every week or so, you're discussing the same thing. Well, the Cubs had a nice game, but then uh, all of a sudden the bats dried up and they couldn't hit. And, you know, this one with the pitching, you know, Darvish gives up just three homers, four runs, and he loses a game the other night. Now you have Hendricks, who just gives up the long ball. Six home runs hit by Cincinnati yesterday. The Cubs hit one. But this Cubs team is home run or nothing on offense. They had five hits on a Friday night. They had seven hits yesterday. Hopefully the bats will be ready today, and it's going to be very difficult against uh, Luis Castillo. Castillo 11-4 and four at 263 earned run average. John Lester 9-8. and eight. He's got a 439, but again, not coming off not necessarily a great start for him. So we will have to see what the Cubs can do. 312-332-3776. They would like to get a victory today. So you feel good for that day off. You feel good going into Philadelphia. Hey, the Phillies can be beat. I know that's, uh, I'm not saying much there. The Phillies right now are a game and a half out of the wild card. The Phillies right now are in fourth place in the East because the Mets have passed them. The Mets have won eight in a row and 15 out of 16, 
which is absolutely amazing. They are just, the New York Mets are a half game out of the wild card spot, as are the Cardinals. Right now, the wild card teams are the Nationals and the Brewers. So this National League uh, race in the Central and the wild card race is going to be exciting all the way down the stretch. Um, look at it. I mentioned seven hits for the Cubs yesterday. And then you have C-Sheck on the IL. You have Kimbrell on the IL. You have Kinsler on the IL. You have um, one of your other pitchers who is now taking uh, Ryan is taking a um, leave of absence. So you bring up Alec Mills. Nothing's going right for the North Siders right now. They need to come up with a couple of wins. They need to get the uh, good feeling back before they return home because there has been nothing but struggles for the Cubs right now. 312-332-3776. On the south side, the White Sox, the Oakland A's are a tough team. The White Sox really have not been hitting. Even yesterday, the Sox don't get a lot of hits. They win by a final of 3-2. to two. The A's out hit them 10-7. to seven. The White Sox got the Eloy Jimenez homer yesterday. They do have some successes, and that's what it is, right? If you're a Sox fan, it's the small victories. It's building, third year of the rebuild. You've got guys like Eloy Jimenez, his 19th homer yesterday, and he's driven in a ton of runs for a young guy that came up late in the season, 44 RBIs, 19 home runs. He has been struggling since coming back. And I mentioned it to you, uh, Carmen, the other day. I was in here with Tom Waddle. Jimenez, the only thing, he, he's hitting the ball on the ground too much. And I quoted Chris Bryant, who said earlier this year, he said, everybody thinks I'm the guru of launch angle. He said, I'm just trying to tell you what my father told me once. And everybody knows Chris Bryant's dad is pretty much his hitting coach. He said, you've got to get the ball in the air. you got to hit the ball into the outfield. You can't hit ground balls, and unfortunately for Eloy Jimenez, he has been hitting too many ground balls. So yesterday, not a ground ball. It was a uh, real nice one launched to right center as the White Sox get the victory uh, yesterday by a final of 3-2. to two. Jimenez in the air, right center field, and out of here. Take a picture of that. It's 2 nothing. Line drive rocket for Eloy. That is his 19th, 44th driven in. Not much of a launch angle, but he got it all. Yeah, he did. Eli Jimenez going deep. And Tim Anderson with a hit. He was one for four yesterday. He's got a nine-game hitting streak. Nice to see Anderson. Not only with the hit, but flying around the bases. Scoring from first base on a, on a ball to a left field. He was just motoring around third and slides home safely. The White Sox get a 3-2 win. They wrap up their series with the A's. Chris Bassett, who actually handed it to the White Sox last week in Oakland, going against Lucas Giolito. Giolito coming off a pretty nice start. He is now 12-5 and with a 3.44 earned run average. Last night, it was also Ronaldo Lopez. And Ronaldo Lopez is a guy where we were so concerned about him in the first half. It's like, what's going on with this guy? He finished last year so well. And this year comes out and really doesn't seem to have it. But here in the second half, Ronaldo Lopez, since the All-Star break, four quality starts. He's got a 213 ERA. Lopez yesterday, six and a third, gives up six hits, no runs. He did walk three. 
He struck out three, but he's pitching really, really well. And that's great to see because the White Sox need that. We'll get to the phones in a second. 312-332-3776. The Sox need that. And when trying to figure out exactly what Lopez is going to be and how he's going to fit in with this team going forward, you go to the White Sox Talk podcast. Now, the guys do a great job. Chuck Garfine, Vinny Duber. You also have Chris Kamka, Ryan McDuffie. They do a great job. They had a sit-down with Rick Hahn on Thursday at Reggie's on the south side down there on South State Street. And one of the questions was about Ronaldo Lopez and how it's maybe taken a little bit longer than some people had hoped for Ronaldo Lopez to get to where they need him to be. And what is he going to be going forward? And the White Sox GM, Rick Hahn, had a nice answer. There's a lot of different ways you try to get through to a player and primarily the coaching staff tries to get through to the player and you never are quite sure which one is going to click whether it's simply the vernacular that a certain coach uses about delivery mechanics whether it's showing him on a high-speed camera the way the ball is coming off his hand and that finally teaches him oh i need to get on top now i understand what you mean when you say get on top uh whether it's a teammate saying something to him about, here's what I do, so you should try to do it like I do. You never know which one's really going to click, but there really tend to be all the different ways of saying the same thing. With Ronaldo, it was a delivery correction. Finally, for whatever reason, knock on wood, it continues. Starting with the, or after the All-Star break, it clicked with what we were trying to get him to do. I know they tried about four different ways, Coop and Hass, to sort of get through to him about, here's what we're trying to do. But the guys learn, all guys learn in different ways, and sometimes you hit on it right away, and they're immediately responsive. Jose Quintana was wonderful with that. Sometimes it takes a little longer to sort of get through to a kid, whether it's stubbornness or just not quite understanding the message until presented a different way. Uh, you're absolutely right. There's pitchers take time sometimes. They don't, unfortunately, they don't all click from day one. Uh, certainly, in a different context, Lopez could be a dominant closer given the stuff. That's not how we view him. That's not why we acquired him. Uh, if we get wind up with five guys better than him, healthy and producing at the big league level, and he moves to the bullpen, fine. But right now we view him like you do, and that's the potential to be a top of rotation guy. That was the White Sox general manager, Rick Hahn, on the White Sox Talk podcast. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. And it's a, it's like an hour and 20 minutes of talking with Rick Hahn. He was very, very honest. Nice to hear. And what he said about Lopez. Remember, when the Nationals had Lopez, they had him starting and relieving before the White Sox picked him up. And he's done great jobs. He struck out 14 in a game earlier this year. Um, what he did last night was very, very good, shutting down a very, very good Oakland A's team. So it would be nice if he could come around, and then you've got a healthy Kopak, you've got Giolito, Cease after the half a season here under his belt. This White Sox pitching staff looks like it's going to be a good one going down to uh, next year and the year after in 2020 and 2021. 312 332 I want to get to some of the White Sox players in just a second, something that happened earlier this week. Uh, but let's go to the phones, 312-332-3776. Got lots of baseball talk. We've got Cubs talk. We've got White Sox talk. And we've got Bob and Hammond, Indiana. What's going on, Bob? Hi, how you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. Good, good, good. I've been a fan. I was telling you, you know, uh, this was about 60 years in my 70s and since I was a teenager. And I've seen all the teams and stuff through the whole thing and whatnot. And, uh, but we're here. This team, uh, I, I can't figure it out. i got a couple of theories. One, 
is that uh, they're, they're bipolar, I think. You know, you, you never know what you're going to get when they come out on the field. Either it's the pitching is, is, is stellar and it's great, or that it, they score 23 runs in two games and they can't get a hit. And it's just, you get, it scratches, you got to scratch your head. I, I can't figure it out on paper. I think they got all the players. Yeah, and you look at their Bob. You look at their pitching yeah. staff, and you thought their pitching staff was yeah. going to be what's going to carry them. And then you know, Darvish did not pitch bad. He gave up three homers. The Cubs didn't right. didn't get many hits. They weren't going to win that game anyway if they're not going to score any runs. But then yesterday, uh, that would shock me. I, I've not seen Kyle Hendricks have a game like that. I don't know where he was coming from, but I feel this on this road uh, versus home thing. Yeah, you know, Wrigley Field. You know what it's like. They're cheering people. Your head flies off. They put it back on their chair. You give a standing ovation. I mean, the warm fuzzies and everybody loves them. And it's all great. And then all of a sudden they go out on the road and there was a letdown. Now, I know that the Cub fans travel pretty good, but there are a lot of places that they don't. East coast, west coast, down south, way south. You know, and they don't. They don't have that. And it's kind of like a letdown. And they. They. And you can just see it. I. I they need. To, to, you know, to man up on the road, and I just don't think they're doing that. It's yeah. the same team. Yeah. It's the same team. They are the same team, and that's the strange part about it, Bob. We appreciate the call. It's so hard to figure out because there's no rhyme or reason why they should be as bad on the road as they are. You look at it right now, and they are a team where their road record, 22-35 and 35 on the road, okay? This is the 11th road series where they're not going to get a series win. The last series they won was May May 17th to the 19th. And, you know, the whole two out of three ain't bad. Well, yeah, two out of three would be great. They've already uh, can't win this series. Now they go to Philly. Philadelphia is definitely a team that can be beat. And their pitching isn't what they thought it was going to be. They're hitting not nearly what they thought it's going to be. And now, as I said, they've fallen into fourth in the National League East. Perfect time for the Cubs to go into Philadelphia. And when they go to Pittsburgh, they got to sweep them. You know, step on someone's throat for a change. Go on out and do what you got to do. Pitch well. Get your base hits. And I don't know. Is is the return of Ben Zobris what they need? They're going to wait till September for that. Jesse will join us at 11 o'clock. We'll talk more about that. There is something that was... Um, not upsetting to me. It, it, it wasn't like a you know what's up you know what's up my can kind of thing. I got one of those for later on. But the other day there was the announcement made that the White Sox and the Yankees are going to be playing a game in Dyersville, Indiana. I'm sorry, Dyersville, Iowa. They're going to be playing a game at the Field of Dreams. Now, if you've never been to the Field of Dreams, it's pretty cool. Okay, you're a fan of the movie. It's the 30 year anniversary of the movie. Um, there's so many, many great baseball movies, and we're going to get to that in a second about some of your favorite ones. But NBC Sports Chicago went into the locker room and talked to some of the White Sox players, asking them their favorite part of the movie Field of Dreams and their favorite characters and what part of the movie they liked the most and all that. And you'd figure, okay, they're going to, they're going to talk about, uh, well, Lucas Giolito, he mentioned Kevin Costner going to the apartment of the James Earl Jones character and, you know, knocking on the door and trying to get in and wedging his foot in so he made sure he got in after he was hearing the voices and everything. And he just wanted to take him to a ball game. And, you know, there's so many really cool moments in the movie. Again, the 30-year anniversary of the movie. So NBC Sports Chicago, they come and they show the clip during the game the other night. 
And the first two players they talked to said, I'm sorry, I had, I've never seen the movie. The third person they talked to was Dylan Cease, and he was putting out a good act. It seemed like he hadn't seen the movie either. But instead of just saying, I haven't seen a baseball classic uh, like Field of Dreams, he kind of hemmed and hawed. He goes, ah, you're going to have to give me a little while. I'm trying to figure out exactly which part of the movie uh, is my favorite. And you can tell he didn't. He hadn't seen it. And uh, Eric Ostrowski working with me this morning. Eric, how old are you? I'm 32. Okay. So you were two years old when the movie came out. So it's not like you were, uh, you're not like your parents were taking you to right. the theater. I, I did not go to the AMC. And, right. Yeah. Right. And you're a baseball fan. I know you played baseball, kind of like all these other guys that are in Major League Baseball. Now, they, granted, they are about eight years younger than you. But, you know, they have not seen Feel the Dreams. Did that surprise you? Um, Yes and no. Like, I guess because they're younger, like, n- not so much. But to me, Feel the Dreams is such like a, a classic why baseball fans are baseball fans. The whole catch with dad and everything right. like that. It just, it's such a what baseball kind of means and its roots is what baseball is. So I am surprised, even like on the plane. Why don't they just play baseball movies while they're on the plane and stuff like that? I'm very surprised they haven't seen Feel the Dreams of all the movies. Yeah, and I wonder how many of them actually sat and watched the movie when it was played on Friday. Because after the Oakland A's game, they showed Feel the Dreams on the Jumbotron. And I wonder if, in fact, that had happened. So what I wanted to do um, in the next segment is what movie do you feel is imperative for all baseball players that are playing right now to see? I've got a list that um, actually Will um, Will Leach made. Uh, you can find it on ESPN of the top twenty-five baseball movies. Now, if you go online, you can find the top thirty-five baseball movies from Rotten Tomatoes. You can find whatever. Everybody has their opinions of their favorite baseball movies. Baseball movies that they don't think are very good. Some people don't like um, movies like Field of Dreams. They may not like it because they go, ah, it's not. It's not real. There's a baseball movie that hasn't been made yet, which I'm waiting for someone to pick it up and make it. It's, uh, there's a book out there called If I Never Get Back, and it's got time travel and baseball in it, where a uh, broken down drunk reporter, which could be just about any of the reporters that follow baseball. <laughs> My apologies to everybody. Um, it falls down the gutter. Uh, wakes up and he's in the 1880s, 1870s, I guess, when baseball's just starting in Cincinnati. And he figures, well, this is baseball. I played in high school. I could play here and realize, well, no, I can't. These guys are actually better than me playing their game. And it's a very, very good book. I can't believe that's never been made a movie. Like, again, with baseball and time travel in it. How cool would that be? That's interesting because, like, baseball, like, you can kind of just go into, like, different decades and oh, yeah. just show the players and the uniforms, and it's kind of like a passage time. Like, you could tell what era you're in yeah. just by the game they're showing. You're right. So, um, 312-332-3776. I want to know from you guys, and we're going to talk about it here. I want to know what baseball movie do you think every major leaguer that's playing right now should see? Could it be Feel the Dreams? Are there others? Uh, I'm sure there are. There are many others. We got some sound bites for you. We're going to play those. We're going to take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Which baseball movie is an imperative that all baseball players see that are playing the game right now? 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. 
I'd like to ask the baseball players on the White Sox if they've ever seen this movie. The soundtrack from The Natural, the theme song from the movie The Natural with Robert Redford. So, Fred Hubner with you. We're talking about uh, some of the movies that Major League Baseball players that are playing the game right now should it should be a must that they see these. And the reason I brought it up is that they announced that MLB will begin construction on a temporary 8,000-seat ballpark at the Field of Dreams. Pathway through the cornfield will take fans to the ballpark, which will overlook the famous movie location. The right field wall will include windows to show the cornfields beyond the ballpark. Aspects of the ballpark design, and this is really cool, will pay homage to Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox from 1910 to 1990, including the shape of the outfield and the bullpens beyond the center field fence. All you need now is Ken Berry leaping over the fence and catching a ball. All you older White Sox fans know who I'm talking about. So what happened was when NBC Sports Chicago went into the locker room the other day to ask some of the White Sox players their favorite parts of the movie, two or three of them had not seen the movie. Field of Dreams. So I wanted to ask you what movie you think they should see. 312-332-3776. How do you never see this movie? The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field this game is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and it could be again. And I cannot tell you how many times I was ready to swear at people on Twitter the other day when they said, well, now the announcement that the White Sox are playing at Field of Dreams, at least they found a ballpark they can sell out. Ha, ha, ha. 27,000 last night. That's not bad. Let's get to the phones. The ballpark or the movie that all baseball players that are playing the game now should definitely see. Okay, let's go first to Bolingbrook and Josh. Josh, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, Fred. First off, you're one of my favorite ESPN guys. I love you, uh, you and uh, Mike Murphy on Saturdays, and you and Mongo is the best radio on, on the airwaves. So I had to get that out of the way. But Thank you. The greatest. The greatest baseball movie of all time. Every player should see it because it shows the trials and tribulations of the season from start to finish. Major League. Okay, do you have a favorite character in Major League? I would have to say probably Pedro Serrano at the end when uh, he finally sticks it to Joe Boo and crushes the uh, curveball finally. Yeah, I, and, and now we get to see him doing All-State commercials. It's, it's a wonderful yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it's... That's good, too. <laughs> it is. Josh, we appreciate the call. Fan Burton to open the inning. Walks Saslow, gave up a double to Billy Left, which will bring up Haywood, who leads the league in most offensive categories, including nose hair. <laughs> when this guy sneezes, he looks like a party favor. Haywood's a convicted felon, isn't he, Monty? Uh, doesn't really say it here. Well, he should be. <laughs> Bob Euchre was unbelievable in uh, that, and uh, his sidekick was a is a comedian, Jeff Cesario, his name was, and well, I'm sure his name probably still is, and um, it was very, very good, and the Major League just had so many great, great things in it, and uh, yeah, I definitely think that's a must. Let's continue on baseball films that Major League Baseball players, especially the White Sox, you've got to see these movies. Let's go on out to I-88, Mark, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Mark. Yeah, bang the drum slowly. 
Now, see, I'll bet there's a lot of people that consider themselves baseball fans that have never even seen that one. Yeah, it's a great movie. And when you talk about uh, why they should see it, I think it shows loyalty, team camaraderie, you know, uh, and also reflects on the fragility that, you know, it can be healthy one day and then, boom, the next day it's over. Yeah. And it's just a... It's a, it's a wonderful movie. It, it is. It's, it's one that I didn't see right off the bat. I did see it eventually, Mark. And for those who didn't know, 1973, it's one of the best baseball weepies, they say, out there. Features a uh, then-unknown Robert De Niro, good-hearted but dim-witted catcher uh, who contracts a terminal illness, develops a friendship with the team's intellectual star pitcher. Bang the drum slowly uh, gets a vote for movies that definitely the... Uh, Baseball players nowadays should definitely see. We got Oak Lawn and Scott. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's going on? You are. What's happening? <laughs> I'm ready. I would have to agree with Josh and say Major League. There's just too many characters in that movie. I mean, every single character in that movie is just hilarious. Yeah. Especially from... the, the disgruntled coach. And, right. Uh... <laughs> Willie Mays. Yeah, hey, I mean, you got them all. I mean, there's yeah, so many. Rick Vaughn. I mean... Yeah. Literally every single player, and, and that is just hilarious. Even the vet catch, catcher that's still trying to make it. I mean, it is so realistic and just hilarious at the same time. Yeah, it is great seeing a lot of those actors who a lot of people didn't know much about. And all of a sudden, you see years later how where they went in their careers. But yeah, Major League was definitely a classic. I, I would I'd wonder if you would have asked the same players if they'd seen Major League, if they would have seen that one as opposed to Field of Dreams. But uh, Scott, besides Major League, what's your next favorite? Oh, I would have to say Sandlot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, for the longest time, we appreciate the call, Scott. For the longest time, I had never seen Sandlot, and my nieces and my goddaughter Taylor. Taylor and Peyton said, Uncle Fred, you got to come over. We'll make popcorn. We'll sit and watch Sandlot. And I watched it with them and just enjoyed the heck out of the movie. And it was so much fun to sit there and watch the movie with them. Uh, 312-332-3776. The reason we're doing it again, the White Sox, half the players in the White Sox hadn't seen Feel the Dreams. Now, I understand you're coming from Cuba. You're coming from the Dominican Republic. Maybe you don't see some of those movies. There's other ones that are out there. Eight Men Out, a great movie. John Cusack in it. Uh, you got Shoeless Joe Jackson. Story about the Black Sox. Um, let's see here. There's another one that I'm a big fan of that not many people know about. It was put out in 2008. If you're a baseball fan, you would love to see this. It's called Sugar. It's an independent film about a Dominican baseball player and uh, struggles to survive and acclimate himself to the minor leagues. Um very, very underrated movie, and one that my good buddy, Jimmy Pearsall, hated. It was based on his book about his struggles with mental illness, and that was Fear Strikes Out. The reason he hated it is because Anthony Perkins, who started Psycho and then stars in Fear Strikes Out, could not throw a baseball. And uh, Jimmy Pearsall was not happy about that in the least. Let's go to Algonquin and George. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, George. Hey, blessed Sunday, Fred. What's going on? My favorite movie, Pride of the Yankees. You know, that... Tells the story of arguably the best ball player that ever played the game, who suffered through all kinds of injuries, the Iron Horse, yep. and he knew when to hang up the spikes. Yep. Well, you know what, Fred? It was also a great love story. 
And, you know, and, and people like Addison Russell can benefit from that and how to treat your wives. So just, you know, from that standpoint alone, I think it would be a great movie. Yeah, George, I, I agree with you on the movie. There's no doubt about it. Pride of the Yankees. My buddies and I, growing up, we used to... We used to uh, hit the bar, have a few beverages, and then walk out and uh, do what they did in Pride of the Yankees when Lou Gehrig was hitting home runs. His family would put their hands on their shoulders and walk around the room going, Lou, 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 Gehrig, Gehrig. And my buddies and I would do the same thing around the corners after we had many, many beverages. So that was a great movie. But no, Pride of the Yankees, the story of Lou Gehrig and uh, Gary Cooper, an awesome job. I was trying to cut and find some other clips. There's a clip in it where... His the woman he eventually marries, she, he she's a reporter and he trips on bats coming up to get it at bat and she yells and calls him Tanglefoot, and uh, it's a big part of the early part of the movie. It's very very cool. I was going to grab it, but unfortunately the soundbite I was looking for then had a song playing immediately over it and it was not workable. Let's go to Vermont and John. John, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Yes, sir. So the movie everyone's got to see, especially as Cubs fans, Rookie of the Year. If that's not a depiction of every childhood's uh, dream growing up, I don't know what is. Yeah, Rookie of the Year is one that is funny because the younger people will have probably seen Rookie of the Year. I mean, uh, the, probably the younger. I'm, I'm, I'm 62, so I'm, obviously I'm old. But Rookie of the Year came, and probably all the 30-somethings have seen that because that was right in their wheelhouse. Eric, that was probably in your wheelhouse, Rookie, rookie of the, of the Year. Rookie of the Year, I, I watched so many times as a kid. Yeah. Absolutely. Rowan Gardner! I was going to say, that, that, yeah, I'm 24, so that Big Fat Liar, a few other movies of that era, me and my friends had on VHS and just repped through every time we went over, so... Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you're young now, and I'm sure you can't find anything. You can't find a VHS anywhere. I've still got a few of them, Do but you? no, no VHS player. Right. I've got, yeah. the, I've got the tapes, but not the player. Yeah, no way to play any of them. You're right. John, appreciate the phone call. 312-332-3776. We'll get to a couple others, other calls in a second. Hang in there. 312-332-3776. Jesse joins us top of the hour. I'll ask Jesse what movie he thinks. And if he could ask some of the Cubs, maybe not now, maybe after they win a couple of games. Um, there's a caller up here which has a great movie, which I know a lot of people haven't seen. It's a tremendous movie, so hang in there. We'll get right to it. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. We'll take you on right here, right now. Come on. You plan a real diamond porter? You ain't good enough to lick the dirt off our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Scab eater. Butt sniffer. Puss licker. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weeds with your mama's toe jam. Yeah! You bob grapples in the toilet, and you like it. You play ball like a girl. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Oh, Sandlot, one of the movies that's already been brought up. For the movie that all baseball players that are playing right now should definitely see. Talking about it here on ESPN 1000 because some of the White Sox have not seen Field of Dreams. And uh, a lot of those White Sox players are going to be playing there next year. August 13th of 2020 against the New York Yankees. They're building an 8,000-seat temporary stadium. And I've been there. It's a very, very cool place. But we're just asking you which movie all these baseball players that play the game right now 
should definitely see. Uh, let's go to Rob. Rob's got one that so many people haven't seen. It's a fun movie. Uh, Rob, what's going on? Hi, Fred. I think you and I will be the only ones that ever heard of this movie. <laughs> but it, it happened every spring, an oldie and a goodie. Yeah, it really is. Can you explain really quickly what the whole key of the, of the person's uh, great pitching yeah. is? Yes. The, the premise of the movie is there's this college professor who's in love with baseball, inadvertently develops a substance that repels wood. So he goes to the St. Louis Browns, becomes a pitcher, and he everybody nobody could hit him because the ball hops over the bat. And it's just a real good story, black and whiter, and everybody should see it and enjoy it. Yeah, it's great. Rob, thanks a lot for the call. You're right. There's probably, it's black and white. Uh, that that probably right off the bat turns a lot of people off. But, uh, yeah, it's a great flick. It, I remember watching it. Uh, so much fun. And, uh, yeah, it happens every spring. Let's go to uh, let's go to Steve. Steve, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Hey, one for the young guys now. The Bad News Bears. Light, funny, just a great thing for the kids to watch uh, baseball and get a kick out of it. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what a bail, bail bondsman was until I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned about it afterwards. But uh, yeah, Walter Matthau is a cigar chomp and uh, little league coach, and uh, you get—it's uh, very fun, very fun. I was, some of these movies, I wish they would never make remakes. I was gonna say uh, this has to be the original. Like, if you're yeah. going back to watch Bad News Bears, do not watch the remake. It is no. terrible. Yeah. Bob Thornton, fine, he's great, but the movie, uh. Uh-uh. There's a movie, uh, and I wanted to look it up to make sure I had it because um, I've had a chance in the past to get to know uh, William Peterson a little bit. And Billy Peterson was in a movie, a baseball movie called Long Gone with Virginia Madsen here from Chicago, uh, Dermot Mulrooney. And it's based on a book by the same name. And here's the description of the movie uh, on IMDb. Despite spotty attendance and an unimpressive roster, player manager Stud Cantrell, played by William Peterson, determined to lead his Tampico Stogies to baseball glory, uh, aiding him our infielder Jamie Weeks, played by Dermot Mulrooney, and a catcher, uh, an African-American catcher who get an earful from racist fans. Success in the field might just prevent the team's owners, Henry Gibson and Teller from Penn and Teller, from unloading the Stogies to the highest bidder. Uh, really a fun movie. William Peterson does a great job. And uh, anybody that knows Billy Peterson, you've heard him on CSI or seen him on CSI and on sports radio over the years. A huge, huge Cubs fan. I used to see him at a couple of Cubs games. And uh, for some reason, every time I saw him at a Cub game was after a Cubs loss, but I hadn't seen him out there for a little while, and I'm sure he's been very, very happy with what's been going on of late. Let's go on out to Schomburg and Jack. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Jack. Hey, good morning, Fred. How you doing? I'm doing well. What's happening? Uh, well, you know, you're one of my favorite slubs on the radio because, A, I'm a Sox fan, and you're the best one on ESPN, obviously, and B, my dad's a Morton grad, so uh, cool. I got something in common with you. Very cool. Anyway, my favorite movie is The Babe, basically because I was an extra in it. I was one of the Yankees. So I got to meet all those guys, John Goodman, Kelly McGillis. And uh, so that's what, that's <laughs> despite uh, everybody else's thoughts about The Babe, I, it's, it's my favorite. Sounds good, Jack. Appreciate the call. Yeah, The Babe was not ranked as one of the uh, better movies. Uh, John Goodman did his best. Um, yeah, it's weird that Babe Ruth is actually in, uh, Pride of the Yankees. 
and you see some other major league players in the uh, movie Pride of the Yankees. But uh, Babe was an interesting one. And uh, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Wayne Parad, a guy I've lost touch with, but uh, follow him on follow him on Facebook. Um, he actually helped train Madonna and some of the other young ladies who were learning how to play baseball for a league of their own. And that's another baseball movie that maybe not all the baseball players should definitely see, but it's one that uh, is definitely out there and gets a ranking from a lot of people. Let's go out to Joe. Joe, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? Hey, uh, my favorite's Bull Durham. I'm surprised it took this long to get to Bull Durham. I would think that Bull Durham is a a must-see for all the baseball players nowadays. Absolutely, especially guys trying to, you know, get out of the minors into the show. They got to see that movie. Yeah, I think so, too. Appreciate it, Joe. You lollygag the ball around the empty. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. You know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygag. Lollygaggers. I can't tell you how many times I use lollygaggers, like, in a week. You know, just watching a ball player. Look at this guy lollygagging around the diamond. Unbelievable. Uh, just a couple more calls. We got Jesse top of the hour talking some Cubs from Cincinnati. This is one that um, is a great flick. I waited to see it and really enjoyed it. John, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, guys? Big fan of the show. Thank you. What's up? Yeah, um, you know, I grew, grew up in the 90s, and my dad was a big Yankees fan. Um, so when Billy Crystal 61 came out, I got to kind of see baseball in the golden age of the 60s, and I really like that movie. It's a good good flick. They do a great job showing how much the strain and stress was on Roger Maris, too, I thought. Yeah, you know what? I didn't know any of the story, and I was surprised to see how standoffish he was, but why he was standoffish. Uh, I have Mickey Mantle being a socialite. Yeah. Uh, Whitey Ford being a partner in crime. It just it really opened my eyes to how fun baseball could be and uh, how these players, you know, were basically legends in the 60s. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good, John. Appreciate the call. 61, really, really good movie. And one last call. Let's go out to the roads. And Mike, Mike, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? Hey, how you doing, man? Uh, Mike Martin, I used to play for the Cincinnati Bengals back in the day. I was listening to you guys, and I said, wow, you guys are talking something right up my alley. You've got the you've got the screen. You've got one of the movies that I loved, and I've told so many people about this movie. Go ahead. The Soul of the Game talks about the uh, the Negro League back with Josh Gibson, uh, Jackie Robinson, Sasha Page. Excellent movie. Yeah. Excellent movie. It's a great, great flick. And you know, Forty Two was out, and nobody's taught. Nobody mentioned Forty Two with Jackie Robinson. That's another good one. Yeah, but, but Soul of the Game was out before that, and Soul of the Game was one of, is one of my favorite baseball movies. It's so good, and uh, Delroy Lindo is in it, and he is yes. so good. At, I think he plays Satchel Page, and yes, the guy who exactly plays Josh Page. Gibson is great. Uh, Mike, appreciate the call. That was a great one, and I agree with you. I think every player should see Soul of the Game. So game. So hopefully some of these, you know, there's so many other ones, you know, for the love of the game and um, Cobb, uh, Mr. 3000, I'm sure a lot of people have seen. Um, but yeah, there's so many great baseball movies. It's just shocking to me that White Sox players had not seen Field of Dreams. I'm sure Jesse's seen all these movies and probably had his kids see them all too. We come back, Jesse will talk about maybe them making a movie of these, uh, you know, the 2019 Cubs. 
and hopefully it turns out well. Let's talk to Jesse. We come back. Freddie Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. Raiders coach John Gruden voicing his public support for receiver Antonio Brown following the team's preseason opener. Gruden defended Brown, dealing with frostbitten feet courtesy of a cryotherapy mishap in France and a helmet grievance filed against the NFL. Publicly supporting Brown is the right call for Gruden, quarterback Derek Carr, and the Raiders, in the opinion of ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. AB's a different animal. Leadership sometimes a little bit lonely, and you got to know how to massage certain characters. And AB is one of those guys that seems to be... Like, he wants to feel like you need him. Listen, at the end of the day, if I'm Derek Carr, I need A.B. on the field. And so I need to make sure that A.B. feels like, truly feels, A.B., without you, I I can't do this without you. Baseball, the Mets turn to ace Jacob DeGrom as they look to continue their amazing August today versus the Nationals. New York's won eight straight, 15 of the last 16. That's the team's best run since 1990. Mets and Cardinals are a half game back of the Nats for the top NL wildcard spot. And like the Mets, the Astros go for their ninth straight win today when they play the Orioles. Houston's Justin Verlander seeks his big league leading 16th win of the season. Yankees, welcome back Glaber Torres today against the Blue Jays. Torres out the last four games with poor muscle pain, will bat sixth and play shortstop. Golf, Patrick Reed leads the Northern Trust Open. Brad Kozlowski's the pole sitter for the NASCAR Cup race at Michigan International. Coming up Monday, less than 25 days until the NFL regular season kicks off. But until then, Cowboys, Rams, Chiefs, and more all in action in preseason. Plus, which rookie quarterback would you want on your team? And, of course, who won the weekend? Golden Wingo Monday, 6 Eastern, ESPN Radio, ESPN TV. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Number three. Oh, my. I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit that part of the ballpark. 9-0. And he is definitely flexing his muscles tonight. What an incredible performance by Aristides Aquino. We're only in the fourth inning. Jimenez in the air, right center field, and out of here. Take a picture of that. It's 2 nothing. Line drive rocket for Eloy. That is his 19th, 44th driven in. Not much of a launch angle, but he got it all. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, a couple of highlights and lowlights from yesterday. First, it was Aquino's third homer. You heard Len Casper on the call on WGN-TV. And then it was Benetti and Stone with the call of the home run from Eloy Jimenez as the White Sox hang on and get a 3-2 win over the Oakland A's. Fred Hubner with you here on ESPN 1000. And um, we're going to talk to Jesse in just a minute or two as Jesse is in Cincinnati getting ready for the fourth game of this series. Cubs looking to split the four-gamer after losing last night 10-1. Hendricks got rocked. Sonny Gray pitched well. And again, you got a lot of uh, run support for him. Uh, today it'll be John Lester going against Luis Castillo. Castillo 11 and 4 with a 263 earned run average. Quickly, here's the uh, lineup for today's Cubs contest. Uh, we'll probably get you the Sox lineup before we're out of here because I think it'll come over. Uh, Jason Hayward in center field. Nick Castellanos is in right. Chris Bryant at third. Anthony Rizzo's at first. A lot of these guys got some time off yesterday when the game got out of hand. Javi Baez is at short. Kyle Schwarber in left. Ian Happ 
is at second base. Victor Caratini catching John Lester, who takes the bump today, hoping for a better outing. And again, just so surprising the way um, Kyle Hendricks got rocked yesterday. He said that Aquino, the first homer Aquino hit, was a good pitch. The second one was an awful pitch. And Aquino's got a really weird stance. He, like, stands straight up, almost facing the pitcher. I mean, talk about an open stance. He's almost facing the pitcher and then closes and then just hits the heck out of the ball. It's amazing. He's got, I think it's seven home runs now. And um, some people were saying, well, you're losing Puig, so you're giving up on this season. Well, the Reds are not giving up on anything right now. Okay, they bring in Trevor Bauer. The Reds are six games back in the division right now. And when you look at the wild card standings, the Cincinnati Reds are four and a half back. Now, obviously, there's a lot of teams ahead of them. It would be very difficult. But this Reds team with the pitching staff is going to be interesting for a while, for a long while. And, um, you know, the Cubs and Reds, the Cubs' only team in the division that they have a losing record against is against Cincinnati. And um, the Reds look like um, they're going to continue to try and get better. This division is going to be tough for a while. And we saw how tough it was yesterday. At least the Cubs did. And so did this guy, Jesse Rogers, who joins us here on ESPN 1000. Jess, of all the... I I don't know that I've ever seen Hendricks get lit up like that. Did I miss something or, you know, what happened? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um... He just put it up there on a tee for them. It was batting practice. No real explanation for it. Just one of those weird nights, and it's happened a couple times to him on the road, of course, because at home he's great, just like the rest of the team is great. He now has a 5-1-6, I believe, ERA on the road, and a 198 ERA at home. I mean, think about that. Yeah. That really, really is the, the, the poster child stat. You know what I mean? Like, for the, for the differences between this team – uh, on, at home and on the road. Just look at Kyle Hendricks, who you would think would be a rock either place, but he has struggled at times. He, it's, it's been more concentrated in two or three games where he's given up a lot, but, you know, they count. And, um, you know, yesterday uh, included, I, I don't have an explanation. He really didn't either. Just bad execution. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because it's not, like you said, it's not just the uh, not just the hitters who struggle on the road a little bit. I mean, they win a big game the other day. They, you know, pound out 12 runs and 18 hits, and everything seems well. They got the the uh, home jerseys in the locker room and everything. And the last two days, five hits and seven hits. Now, yesterday, it's kind of an abomination. I mean, the game was out of reach so early. It's not like they ever had a chance to come back. I was listening to the game, and, uh, you know, Pat Hughes says... Well, you know, there's been many games where teams come back from 3 nothing, 4 nothing, even 5 nothing down at Great American Ballpark. And next thing you know, it's 8 nothing and 9 nothing. And I'm just saying to myself, well, this one isn't going to be one of those. Yeah, Joe thought the same thing. That's why I pulled <laughs> Bryant and Rizzo, give him a little bit of a break with yeah. the day game today. So you just hope to salvage the, the, the finale. It's just so weird how, you know, we look at these things. If you win today, it's a split and a split on the road. Against a decent team yeah. isn't bad. If you lose today, it's three of four, and your road woes continue. It looks awful. So sometimes it, you know it's about the perspective of the day, and it could go either way. A few hours from now, it could look really bad or not so bad. Especially if you you have Lester finding his game and you beat Castillo at the same time. Then you say, oh, it's not such a bad series. All year long, we've talked a lot about the bullpen before, even before Craig Kimbrell got here. Now. Correct. Let me know if I've missed somebody. Kimbrell's on the IL. Kinsler's on the IL. 
and now C-Shake's on the IL. Are these because of overusage or just this stuff happens to pitchers? Well, it can't be overuses for Kimbrough. No, I mean, he's right. barely used, right? So, I mean, C-Shack, I, I think that, yes, he could he, he needed a breather, and if there was a reason to give him one, he took it, or they gave it to him, whatever the case may be. I mean, he might uh, uh, apply there. Kinsler, you know, he's a smaller guy. You can't overuse him either. I don't think Joe has. I mean, it was a moment in time there where he felt something up in the, his right pectoral area. So I, it, it's hard to assess. I mean, C-Shack. Look, the, it's a hip, not an arm, but the more you use a guy and that guy's got a funky delivery, the more something could go wrong. So, sure, I think it's a culmination of appearances over time for, for a guy like C-Shack more than the other two. Yeah, it, it just – everything seems to be hitting them at once. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you, you're you're waiting on Zobris. You're not sure what's going to happen there. You do bring in two guys who actually – you know, Lucroy had a nice start with that three-hit game, and then Castellanos has been pretty darn good. I think yesterday was the first game he played for the Cubs where he didn't get a base hit. But uh, he's been good. It seems like the other guys, though, Javi's been relatively quiet. He did get a couple – well – I say that. He homered and also had a couple of opposite field RBIs, so that's not bad. Um, but the the guys that you're expecting to step up, maybe your Rizzo's and your Bryant's, just don't seem to do it. Even though Bryant's getting hits. I know Black and Abdallah were here earlier comparing his numbers and his stats with his MVP. I don't think anybody that's watched the Cubs play this year would think about Chris Bryant as an MVP this season. Well, two things about that. First of all, uh, and I'm included, you, people will look at his OPS and say it's right there was MVP season. No, the problem is <laughs> the slugging numbers have gone through the roof over the last year or two. So right. to compare an OPS now to an OPS in 2016, which is crazy, um, it's a lot different, right? You, you, have to, you have The bar has to be raised a little sure. bit here in comparing statistics. So I'm, not, I, I'm sort of with you on this that you can't just look at OPS and say, look, he's just as good as he was in 16. No, the OPS would be would have to be, you know, 50, 100 points higher to really have a comparable one. Or, you know, I don't know what the number is, but they're not similar. It's at 16, the ball wasn't flying out like the way it is now. So that's one thing. The other thing is, and Joe has talked about this, you know, they did score 12 the other night, and the, right. numbers on the, the offensive numbers on the road aren't horrendous. The pitching numbers really jump on the road. The ERA goes up on the road. But Joe has often talked about the offense need to carry the day. It's, it's kind of weird. The, the, the run scored per game isn't too bad home road compared to the, the ERA, yet Joe keeps pointing to the offense, and I guess I see why. Yesterday, you know, one run, though, it was over early. The day before, though, you know, you scored two. Darvish keeps in the game, but he gives up three homers, and you still you still lose by three runs. So, um, I don't know. You need pitching and hitting. You know, you kind of need both as much as you can. At least to go 500 on the road, it shouldn't be that hard. But obviously, it's become a difficult task for the Cubs. But Joe talks more about the offense than he does the pitching when when he talks about their road problems. Couple minutes with Jesse Rogers. It's a uh, noon start or a little after twelve o'clock for the Cubs and the Reds in Cincinnati. Then they get an off day before Philadelphia, and uh, then three in uh, Pittsburgh. Actually, two in Pittsburgh and one in uh, Williamsport. I, I didn't. I did not look, but I'm pretty sure that the reason Hayward wasn't in yesterday was just it was his scheduled day off. Uh, yeah, that and, and Sonny Gray has reverse splits. He's he's better against lefties. Okay, so given you know just a reason to to give a guy a day off. He, I think he was one for his last 12, so uh, Joe gave him a little bit of a break. If he was going hot, maybe he would have stayed in there. Um, but, yeah, that, that was it. More, more of the reverse splits than anything else. 
Okay. Back in there today. Yeah, because the only, the only lefty yesterday, well, Rizzo and Schwarber, Hap wasn't in there either. You, was Hap because of the reverse splits or because maybe he just needed a rest after the day before? Uh, you know, I didn't ask. Uh, prob- uh, you know, with him, you know, he can bat either side. Not that not, right. not that he would bat not that he would bat right handed against the righty. Um, I didn't really ask about Hap. You know, he's kind of like a quasi platoon guy, so it's not like it's a big jolt to me when he doesn't play. You know, Hayward's an everyday player, so I, I, I certainly asked about that. But I think it was just one of those, you know, matchup things. And like you said, I um, mean, Hap's better from the left side and with a righty on the mound and the reverse splits. He went with mostly righties. What What do you expect from Lester today? I mean, coming off an, an outing like he's had in the past and talking about himself as the weak link, do you expect him to go out and have a good game? Or is it just tough to even expect anything from these pitchers on the road right now? The way I think of Lester, and I don't have the stats in front of me to back me up, but I think they would a little bit at least, is when he bats out, he doesn't necessarily come back with seven scoreless. Like, there's a process. If last time was bobbing out, he, I think he'll be better is what I'm getting at. But I don't know if he's going to jump back to the Lester from April where he was a one ERA type guy. So, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this, one might, this one might still be a little shaky, but better. Now, it can't be much worse than last time. He was, he was, he was awful. Um, uh, so, but I do think it'll be better. I think he's more likely to keep them in the game. Uh, the problem is Castillo's on the mound for them, and that that's their best pitcher. So he really has to keep the, the run total down, or, or the Cubs could be in trouble even if he gives up three or four. But I do think he'll be better, just not quintessential, you know, Pete Lester. Not yet. He usually builds himself back up to that point. That that's that's what I, how I feel his history has gone when he's bottomed out. Before this series started, there had been reports, and I know Cap talked to uh, Marty Brenneman the other day, and, and Cap was saying that some people say, from what he had heard, I guess Lance McAllister had told him, that this was this series was bigger for the Reds than it was for the Cubs, and Marty Brenneman kind of poo-pooed that and said that's just Lance trying to make you know make up a story. But the way that the the Reds are playing right now, they still think that they have something to play for this year, don't they? Of course, of course. And, I mean, it, it shouldn't be some secret. I mean, of course it's a bigger series for the Reds. They were uh, seven or eight games out of first place. Of course it's a bigger series. Uh, let's not forget the team that's in fourth and the team that's in first. Uh, if they have any shot the playoffs, they need to make up ground against the teams ahead of them, namely the first-place team. I was in the Reds' locker room last night. They, were, they are treating this like a big, big series. And there's good and bad in that. And it's, and it's not an, an indictment on the Cubs, Fred, that, that they're not saying the same. It's not, because when you're the fourth-place team and you're playing the first-place team, you have to feel that way. You have to treat it that way. But here's the problem. What happens when the Cubs leave town? There are still games to be played for Cincinnati. This is the deal. This is why a lot of managers and coaches don't try to build up one game or one series over the next. Because if this one's a big one, what's the next one? Well, they count just the same, right? So. Yeah. You, 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 that, that's where you ride this roller coaster if you're building up one series over another. But in, in, in terms of like the standings and, and just factual, of course it's more important for the Reds if they have any shot, and they do believe they have a chance. But this is where, again, the Cubs shouldn't build up any series more than another, but they should try to match the intensity that each of these Central Division teams is bringing when they face the Cubs. And they are, for however you want to describe it, they are raising their game. They are. Uh, the Reds are a great example. Um, treating this as a big one, embracing it. The, I don't think the Cubs need to say it that way, but they need to match that intensity on the field. And I think that goes back to what Theo said last offseason. 
these might be the dog days of August, right. but not for the Reds. Not for the Reds. They're treating it like their World Series. Uh, but, the, you know, the Cubs have earned the right to, to be in first place, and they shouldn't have to treat the Reds like the biggest series of the world because they've got another one after that as well. So, you know, it's about perspective again, and I like how the Reds are going about their business, but don't, don't indict the Cubs because they won't call the Reds the biggest series of the year. They shouldn't because each and every one is, is just as important as the next. Uh, the Phillies I mentioned uh, is is coming up next after today. You got a day off, and then the Phillies and the Phillies, the White Sox went in, into Philadelphia and took two out of three. But Philadelphia is in a situation right now where they're in fourth place in the East. I would think they're going to then when the Cubs get the Philly, they're going to be playing an angry Phillies team too. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course. But they, 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 these teams see blood in the water. They know the Cubs have a great record at home, but not not very good on the road. So. They attacked. I mean, and there'll be Cub fans in Philly, just like they're in Cincinnati. Yeah. That that sort of energizes. I've talked about this. The opposing team, all that's in play. It's just, I mean, it, it's a cliche, but it, in some ways, there are no easy games for the Cubs. Uh, there's so many reasons for the other team to to get up, know, get up, whether they're bad or good, and the fan base gets up. It's the Cubs, man. It's the Patriots, and you know, not, not the same success, but that kind of level of recognition, just like the the, the Red Sox or Yankees. Yeah, times and the Cubs just aren't as good as deep as they were. So, uh, like I said, these teams smell blood in the water, and they are they are attacking. They're coming after them. Jess, they announced the other day that the White Sox and Yankees are going to play at Field of Dreams, and uh, the NBC Sports Chicago went into the Sox locker room and asked some of the players what their favorite part of the movie was, and numerous White Sox players had never seen the movie. Did that surprise you? If you walked into the Cubs locker room and asked them if they'd seen Field of Dreams, do you think you'd get similar responses? I think it'd probably be fifty-fifty, maybe, maybe less, maybe less. I don't know. It's a good question. I haven't talked baseball movies with many players. I'm just thinking of them in general. I think you know a few would for sure, but there's probably a, a portion that would not know. Yeah, would not have seen it, um, which is a shame. It's a great movie. Yeah, and I was just thinking because I was thinking, and now granted, uh, you know, the players who come from Cuba and the Dominican Republic, I, I kind of. They get a pass, I would think, you know, because when they're they're growing up and playing there, I'm sure that the you know watching a, sitting down and watching a movie on TV wasn't high on their list. Um, but the the kids that grew up like like Chris Bryant, I could not imagine Bryant hasn't seen some of these movies. I know being yeah, right growing up in Vegas, good. I know he was probably outside playing all the time. But you know, still the way uh, he's such into baseball, I would think that he's seen probably all these things. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you, you you're you're probably right about that. There there are certain guys you would expect more than others to have seen them, and you're probably right that Latin American players maybe not. You know, a lot of them didn't learn English until they got to the big sure. or, or professional baseball. So all that's in play. Um, not that those movies can't be dubbed in Spanish, obviously, but maybe that's a question I will ask this week. We're leading to the Little League World Series game in Williamsport next True. weekend, so yeah. it's a little appropriate for them as well. So that's maybe I'll ask. What baseball movies have you seen? Fred Hubner wants to know. <laughs> well, I was, it's funny. I had mentioned earlier, I said maybe Jesse should ask the Cubs. And then I paused and I said, maybe after they win a couple of games. You don't necessarily want to ask right. them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right the now mor- when they're the losing. Morning, the, morning, the morning after a 10-1 loss. Isn't, you're not talking baseball movies, right? Yeah. Um, can I give you one more side note? So yes. A lot of conversation this morning, actually, less, less about the game uh, and more about Joe's job security and his job next year you know he'll talk about anything he if if he's asked a question he will answer it he reiterated something he told me a year ago he, he wants to manage till at least 70 he sees no issue with that at all it was interesting though someone said some one of the reporters asked him 
What do you think it'll come down to in terms of an extension? You know, is it just about, you know, getting into the playoffs or winning 95? And he kind of interrupted him, and he said, it's not about wins and losses. And we all kind of paused right. and looked at him. He's like, it's not about wins and losses, because if it was about wins and losses, I'd have an extension by now. I mean, basically, I'm paraphrasing. But right. that's what he said. It, it kind of makes sense. If you just add up the wins, they have the most wins in, in baseball over the last four years, yet he is in limbo. So he's probably right. It isn't about wins and losses. And, and then he went on to, to, to speculate what it would be about. And it's just the relationship with the front office and what the front office thinks his relationship is with the players and that kind of stuff. But I thought it was very interesting that he you know, had that line ready to say, this isn't about wins and losses or else I'd be signed up by now. Yeah, so you're right. He was honest. Out. Yeah, he was honest. Now, I mean, he wants to manage. Um, he wants them to. He wants to be wanted here, and he wants to be here. Um, but if not, he's a free agent. So you know, all these things are in play. Um, but it, it it is kind of interesting. What what is the criteria for Theo and Jet? It, it can't just be a World Series winner. That that's that's an amazingly high bar, right? Um, uh, but. Sneaking in, is that enough? I mean, they snuck in last year. He was, he certainly didn't get an extension then. So what's in between? What's enough? And, again, if it's not results, then what does it matter if they sneak in or not? It's about that that other stuff he talked about. I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a fascinating thing, but, you know, Jed and Theo are going to keep things close to the best, obviously, and even if he leaves, they're going to say all the nicest things about him. Um, but I guess if you think about it the way Joe is, if it was about wins and losses, he'd have a five-year extension by now. So this was a this was a fifteen minute conversation today. I'll write it up for ESPN.com. Cool. But it's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting to hear his perspective. Josh, we look forward to reading it. Uh, appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. I mean, Fred. <laughs> guys, that's whatever. okay. Take care. See ya. Jesse Rogers in Cincinnati as the Cubs get ready to wrap up their series with the Reds. They cannot win the series. They can only tie it after losing the last two. One thing I wanted to get to baseball-wise, and I played uh, part of the White Sox Talk podcast. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. If, you don't, if you're a White Sox fan, go and check it out because the guys all had uh, Rick Hahn on. And when I say the guys, I mean Chuck Garfine. Ryan McGuffey, Vinny Duber, also uh, you had um, uh, Chris Kamka, all of them. They were there at Reggie's the other day, and some great conversation. A lot of White Sox fans were upset when A.J. Reed was hitting, and A.J. Reed, they got some smirks throughout the course of the thing, because A.J. Reed was hitting, and the White Sox did not have Zach Collins stay up. And Rick Hahn was nice enough to say well, that was never going to happen. It wasn't had nothing to do with the way Zach Collins played when he was here. Give it a listen. This is from the White Sox Talk podcast on Thursday. Zach Collins, his stay in the big leagues was just freaking outstanding in terms of his growth. And we knew from the start, obviously, Welly went on with, a, I think it was an oblique mm-hmm. or something. We knew it was a limited time injury. And we purposely chose Zach to come up and be side-by-side with James McCann for two, three, four weeks, however long it was going to be, and learn as much as he could about game planning and pitch calling and adjustments and working with pitchers at the big league level. Additionally, there's a few things mechanically that we've been talking to Zach about for a while, about making some alterations in his swing. Zach was having a pretty decent year at AAA, doing it his way. It was time to give Zach an opportunity to come to Chicago, continue to do things his way, and see how it went. At the end, when it was time to send Zach back, it was actually, uh, uh, we were in Kansas City, and I was with the team, and it was me, 
Ricky, Trick, and Joe McEwing in the room telling you know, Zach, which we're going to send you back. And it was a 25-minute conversation. Usually those conversations are 25 seconds. And it was a wonderful conversation, mostly led by Zach, about what he had learned and what he needs to work on and what he wants to adjust to. So when the move came, or when a decision was made to give Reed those at-bats, it wasn't, well, we could give him the Collins. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Collins needed to go back to Charlotte and work on what he had learned. That was a developmental, long-term plan for him. This was about giving whatever, 48 bats over the next two weeks, who do we give them to? Collins wasn't a, wasn't a candidate. We're looking at the long term for this kid. And if you look at what he's done since he's gotten back to Charlotte, it seems like he's taken his time in Chicago to heart and has made those adjustments. And that's going to serve Zach far, far better than continuing to stay in Chicago for those 40 ABs or whatever the heck we gave to A.J. Reed uh, and develop that way. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen. They, Zach Collins is definitely in their future. They liked what they saw. They liked him behind the plate. He's still got things to learn about hitting major league pitching. We come back. We'll give you the White Sox starting lineup as they wrap up their series with Oakland. Also, a bunch of highlights from Major League Baseball yesterday, including uh, Tom Brenneman's calls of the three home runs from Aquino yesterday. I think you'll enjoy these, even if you're... You know, a Cubs fan. You may enjoy these. And if not, you'll just make fun of Tom Brenneman. Fred Hubner with you right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Uh, let's start with the White Sox as the White Sox lineup is out. Larry Garcia was in the lineup. He was scratched from the lineup with an injury. So John Jay will be leading off playing right field. Tim Anderson hitting second. He's been all over. He's been he's hit seventh, fifth, and now second over the last couple of days. Jose Abreu is their DH. McCann behind the play. Jimenez is now fifth. Matt Skoll is uh, playing first base and hitting sixth. Yulmer Sanchez at second. Ryan Goins at third. He made a big error yesterday. A lot of couple of runs and made it a game in the ninth inning. And Adam Engel is in center field. Lucas Giolito on the hill for the White Sox. They got the win yesterday, 3-2 over the A's. See how things go today. In uh, Cincinnati yesterday, the Cubs lost. The Cubs lost badly, 10-1. And it was basically because of Aristides Aquino. The uh, rookie who came up after Puig was sent to Cleveland. And uh, Aquino, he, he's hitting well. He hit Hendricks very, very well yesterday. You probably We played the uh, Len Casper call of the third homer earlier. But listen to the excitement in Tom Brenneman's call. And listen to him saying Aristides. He's come up with something different to make it a little bit easier for him. Oh, boy. As if on cue, did he get it? Fifth home run in his first 10 games in a Reds uniform. Unbelievable. Well, I don't know, but the way he's going right now, it's another home run by Aquino. Five home runs, now six home runs in his first 10 games. 
And right now, that's his second most in the history of Major League Baseball in the first 10 career games. Trevor Story in 16 hit seven of them for the Rockies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable is right. And you heard Len Casper. He said on that third home run, he said he didn't think he'd ever seen a ball hit that far at Great American Ballpark, or at least hit to that part of the ballpark. So Aquino with three home runs. Tom Brenneman on the call. The Reds a 10-1 win. The Washington Nationals trying to stay relevant, and Juan Soto has been one of the reasons. Soto, loud sound, deep left center. Lagaris back. See you later. Oh my, you talk about a way. See you later. Second deck, third of the series, second of the night, 3 2 Nets. I'll say you got a toe hold. Second home run of the night for Juan Soto. Uh, hitting on his own terms, right? 24th home run of the season, and more importantly, a 3 2 Nets lead. There's the numbers, and now we dance. Now they dance, and uh, yeah, but it didn't last because the Mets came back and got a win. The Mets win 4-3. to three. They won 15 of 16, and former Cub catcher David Ross on ESPN saying they've just got the magic going. Like Pete Alonso, the polar bear, says, they're doing it with Mets magic right now. I mean, they believe in each other. If you listen to these guys talk, there's a lot of belief there. Yeah, their schedule's been favorable. It's going to get tougher. They're going to have to continue this great play, but each guy every night stepping up. Todd Frazier last night with the big home run. Michael Conforto, this team seems to go as he goes. They're going to have great pitching down the stretch. They've got a phenomenal staff, one of the best in the league when it's on, and the offense is contributing now. These guys believe in each other. They've got their shirts off in interviews. They are rolling, and that place in New York at City Field, when they're rolling, that is one of the tougher places to play in all of baseball. When those fans show up, they get loud. It is extremely tough from a player's perspective on the other side. Uh, David Ross talking about the Mets on a roll. See how long it lasts. Uh, the Houston Astros are just a really good team. The Astros have an 11-game lead in the West. And we talked about Aquino hitting three homers. So did uh, Jordan Alvarez yesterday. Jordan! Are you kidding me? record they have now scored 23 runs this guy is unbelievable yeah that's not 23 runs in the series that's 23 runs yesterday 23 to 2 the final score as they knock off baltimore highlights courtesy astros tv uh, you would think this this was strange now it's not strange that this guy hit a homer it's just that it was his first at some place and he does that pulls one out to deep left field no doubt about it fly for Mike Trout, and the Angels extend their lead to 5-1. Guess in, guess right, first home run for Mike Trout at Fenway Park. A huge home run, 39th. 
That's kind of hard to believe is his first home run at Fenway for Mike Trout as the Angels go on to beat Boston 12-4. to Talk about uh, tough to uh, repeat 15 games out. The Red Sox are behind the New York Yankees. Uh, there's a guy the Cubs had, and I always thought he was kind of a dog. And I guess he's learned how to play the game and how to do what he needs to do, and his name is Jorge Soler. That's drilled. Deep right center field and gone. And that is number 33 for Jorge Soler. And where he hit that ball, that is a long way from home plate. Yeah, highlights courtesy Royals TV. So Soler is playing well. But I wanted to play this because this is a guy who was with the Cubs. And he wanted to start. And the Cubs gave him a chance here and a chance there. Well, the Royals are giving him a chance, too. It's Mike Montgomery. The lineup will face lefty Mike Montgomery. Appearance number 25 on the year. Start number 5. All with the Royals. Yep, and and after each and every start he's made, he's gotten better and better. And there's a swing and a miss on a changeup down and away. And now Montgomery has struck out the first two tonight. Montgomery strikes out Castro, and he set down the first six. Started to happen in downtown Detroit, and there's another strikeout. And that's five for Mike Montgomery against the first eight he's faced. He's made his job a lot more easy. Strikeout number ten. There it is. Eleven strikeouts for Mike Montgomery. That is a brand new career high. Mike Montgomery is one strike away from joining Danny Duffy. He's done it twice. Danny Jackson once. Twelve strikeouts, and he got it. So he finishes strong, seven scoreless innings, adding to his career high with 12 strikeouts. 12 strikeouts yesterday from Mike Montgomery in the start. He goes seven innings, and the Royals get a 7-0 win over Detroit. Finally, the Cardinals and the Pirates going at it. And in Little League, they say, you never know. You keep running. You never know what's going to happen. They'll throw the ball away. Well, sometimes when you play Pittsburgh, the same thing happens. And uh, Tommy Edmonds saw it for St. Louis. Edmonds with a base hit in the right center. That will go all the way to the wall. And Tommy will stop at second base. Ball gets away. He's paying attention and rolls into the dugout. He'll get home plate and score. The unlikeliest of ways to take the lead. Yes, it was an unlikely way to take the lead, but the way Pittsburgh's playing, you never know. Pittsburgh has lost seven straight. The Cardinals have won two straight after losing five in a row. So right now, as the day begins, the Cardinals are two back of the Cubs. The Brewers are a game and a half back of the Cubs. The Brewers have won five in a row, and they're doing this without Christian Yelich. Yelich with a back injury. He's not been playing. So there's a quick look around some of the highlights in Major League Baseball. We come back. Chicago Fire fans have waited. Waited for two wins in a row. And guess what? The Fire got it. They hit. They won last night. We'll talk Fire soccer. We come back. Fred Hubner with you right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Newton on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Eubner with you. Sundays from 10 till 12. We've got football coming up in just a couple weeks. Now, the Bears have weird schedules. They play the Thursday night game, the opener against the Packers. And I think their second game is a 3-30 game against Denver. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see what we do pregame-wise, but... Uh, 
We hope to be having uh, Mongo here and all kinds of stuff as we go and preview the uh, Sunday games for you here on ESPN 1000. But until then, Lekin Abdallah from 8 till 10. I'll be here from 10 till 12. And uh, the last segment of the, the day, I always like to talk soccer. Chicago Fire Soccer. I know, I know. Manchester's playing Chelsea right now. I'm keeping an eye on that also. But the Chicago Fire got a big win the other day. They were in Houston a week ago, and they got a one nothing win. They needed it because, believe it or not, despite the way they've played, they still have a chance to make the postseason. So yesterday, the Fire come out of the box, and they're playing tough. They're putting on uh, a lot of pressure on Montreal. Montreal, six points ahead of the Fire in the standings of the Eastern Conference. The Fire trying to get into the top seven so they can make the playoffs, and for a while there, you say, there's no way this is going to happen. Well, last night, some good things happening, and it started early in the eighth minute of the game. Sending it in. Bronico gets ahead to it, saved by Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger, Dax McCarty! He does it! And the Fire grab the early lead! Oh, Dan Kelly on the call from ESPN+. Plus. Dax McCarty, the captain for the Chicago Fire, gets his first goal as a member of the Fire. Now he's a midfielder, not known to score many goals. A huge goal for the Chicago Fire. They took a one nothing lead in front of a nice crowd last night at SeatGeek Stadium. I, uh, As I always do before I go to Chicago Fire matches, stop by the Heineken Beer Garden for a beverage. It was very, very good. Um, people should stop and stop over there and uh, grab a grab a beer before the game or two or whatever you can handle. Uh, that was in the eighth minute of the game. Fire had a one nothing lead, but they didn't stop there. Just uh, nineteen minutes in, they took a two nothing advantage. Calvo, they're reading things well. Katai has an opening. Nemanja Nikolic in the Chicago Fire make it two nil. Dan Kelly on the call. Nemanja Nikolic, a huge goal for him as he gets on the board. And uh, that was nice to see. He has scored now in back-to-back games. Great to see for Nemanja Nikolic uh, playing up top. C.J. Sapong has played very, very well this year. But getting Nikolic on the board for a couple of goals, really important to see. Then what happens? Well, Kenneth Cronholm, the uh, goalkeeper for the Fire, who's had some interesting uh, games, uh, last night was one of them. He comes out and he takes down a Montreal player on a breakaway in the box. So they get a penalty and they score in the 34th minute. It is 2-1 to one at the halftime. Now, 76th minute, a header across and Bakari Asanya scores. It's 2-2. Two to two. We've seen way too much of this in Chicago Fire matches. You're excited, you got the highs, and all of a sudden, it's tied to two. You're going to go away with one point instead of two points. No, 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 you're not, because the Chicago Fire, late in the match, they're putting pressure on, trying to score a goal. They get a corner kick in the 88th minute. Georgi Mihalovic with the corner, and this is what it sounded like. Mihalovic rips it in. Schweinsteiger just in the nick of time. The Fire have the lead thanks to the German. Yes, I told you I felt one more special play left. The set pieces, we talked about it, would play a big role in today's match. Crucial time of the match. Yeah, no doubt a crucial time. 88th minute, the Fire hang on. They get a 3-2 victory. Schweinsteiger said yes, they needed this one. Yeah, obviously very happy, but also... um it was a very, it was a very important three points for us, and 
hope we can continue like that. Um, spirit is, is good, and uh, we believe in ourselves. And uh, I always say, where's a, a will, there's also a way. And um, so we try working on it, and uh, hopefully we can uh, continue. Where there's a will, there's a way. The Chicago Fire have a battle ahead of them. They have a road match coming up. Um, on Wednesday in Portland. And Portland is one of the top teams in Major League Soccer. So it's not going to be easy. The Fire right now are three points away from the uh, playoff spot in the Eastern Conference they need to get up there. They've got Portland on Wednesday, then back home against Philadelphia a week from yesterday on August 17th. It'll be a Fan Appreciation Day. Then they hit the road for two more games. So three of their next four on the road. The Fire, as most MLS teams do, do not play great on the road. They've got some tough competition coming up. So very, very important. See what happens in the next couple of games. Now, before I get out of here, I had to talk a little bit about something. What's up, Fred's can? And we'll bring in our guy, Eric Ostrowski, for this, too. Because the Chicago White Sox have made the announcement that when the White Sox are in Anaheim, Steve Stone's taking time off. And the White Sox are going to have Bill Walton do a game with Jason Benetti. And I swear I saw an Eric Ostrowski tweet who was very excited and uh, to see that. First of all, you have to explain to me why. I'm just here for the entertainment. Okay. I think he is so goofy and funny and outside the box. I enjoy him. Oh. At basketball, Benetti and Walton did basketball during the Hawaii Classic. And, um, you know, those games were played at all hours of the day and shown back here. And, um, you know, the humor's fine. He was on during the broadcast last night. While the White Sox were like putting runners on base and loading the bases, and uh, apparently, because I was not listening, um, apparently he asked Jason how many innings there are in a baseball game. I I also I think I'm not sure if he's ever even watched a baseball game. Yeah. I'm just here for his antics. Okay, well, as a guy who loves watching baseball, I will not. I'll be watching the White Sox game, but the mute button will be firmly on and pressed. Because there's no way I want to hear Bill Walton, you know, because I can get angry about enough other stuff. But I don't need Bill Walton. And then from what I see, John Greenberg, check out his article if you have The Athletic. And if you don't, what are you waiting for? John Greenberg did a great article called Dollars and Cents with Bill Walton and Michael Schur on tap. Jason Benetti is in a, quote, good place. Michael Schur is a guy who is a writer. He's written for The Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn 999. And uh, also others. So he is also going to be with Jason Benetti. So it's going to be basically a uh, sound-free White Sox uh, series when they take on the Angels. At least for me, that is. Uh, Thanks to Jesse Rogers for jumping on in. Thanks to everybody who uh, dialed in about their favorite baseball movies, baseball movies that players should be watching. Thanks to Eric. Thanks to you on ESPN 1000.